0: Welcome to the Foxy Podcast, a bi-monthly show brought to you by Freeform Freakout. The show is produced at KMSU Studios in Mankato, Minnesota. And here on the Foxy Podcast, we try to dig deeper into underground and experimental sounds of the past and present. And welcome to episode number 109 of the Foxy Podcast show. Hope you're all doing well out there, wherever you're listening from. We started off this installment of the show with the track Setter from the group Bonds, a trio based in London. Their new LP called Grass Hootsie is out now on Spillage Fate, a label that is run collectively by Matt Fowler, Kevin Cormack, and Matt Hunt of the group Bonds, along with visual artist Amy Henderson. Spillage Fate grew out of some earlier cassette-focused art and music events that the members curated, dating back over a decade ago, under the name the Blank Tape Spillage Fate, and has since morphed into a small-scale multimedia label that publishes the various solo and collaborative efforts of its core members, including Fowler and Cormac's Jam Money project. I recently had a chance to speak with Fowler, Cormac, and Hunt together over a slightly choppy FaceTime connection, but I'm pleased to say that we came away with an illuminating and worthwhile conversation that you'll be able to hear quite clearly throughout this show, where we delve into the beginnings of Spillage Fate, the collaborative aspects of the label and various in-house projects, and some of the music that has inspired these guys over the years. They were also kind enough to send along a bunch of unreleased and forthcoming material from the Spillage Fate ranks, which you'll hear in a few different blocks of music during the show. But before we move into that interview, though, I thought I'd play another track from this new Bonds album. This is the opening track called What Do We Have Here? So from my understanding of Spillage Fate, uh, it grew out of some art and music exhibitions that you had presented under the name, uh, The Blank Tape Spillage Fate, uh, dating back to 2006. And you had invited a number of artists to create music, uh, I guess, on cassette and, and to kind of put together some artwork that went along with that. Could you provide some further background on on what inspired uh, these exhibitions that you had done?
1: Uh, So it's uh, Matt Hunt speaking. Hello. Um, So Matt and I would meet up once a week and hatch plans and pipe dream quite a bit and drink some beer. And we came up with this idea. And it it was one night I can particularly remember that we came up with the name and the idea all in one go. And that's pretty much how it started. So we came up with the name of Blank Tapes Village Fate. I mean, we wanted to do something that, I'm not sure if you have fates in America, but it's like a, a village fair or something like that. Would it be, would it be in a kind of like a town hall or village hall or something like that? Um, yeah, that's kind of where it all came from. And we, yeah, we were working with tapes and, and stuff then anyway so it was like well why, why don't we ask our friends you know who we who we knew were doing art and music um if they wanted to get involved and luckily we had we had quite a great response really so it was mainly as many friends to start with yeah so it was it was kind of a a, a meet up in the pub really that inspired <laughs> inspired the first <laughs> the That's first thing the and, yeah i know there. well this is it right and um Yeah, and it just kind of spiraled quite quickly out of control because we were like, oh, God, we've come up with the idea now. We've got to do it. So, yeah, there was lots of frantic uh, letter writing, and we came up with like a little pack that we would send out to people with a tape and ask them to fill it up with whatever they wanted. There was no like brief. So we just just let them get on with it.
0: Well, I mean, is is this – I'll be honest with you. I'd never even heard the the term – fate before <laughs> I think I've missed <laughs> I've, I've probably mispronounced it on air multiple times like fet or feti or so those those darn accent marks but now yes indeed I know what it is so um but I'm wondering I mean you've done a couple of those I think there was one in 2006 and 2009 correct has there been any other things uh since then that you've done
1: well after the I mean the 2006 one was kind of a, a baptism of fire it, it took us three years to recover, I suppose, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, gain our composure and, you know, stir ourselves to do another one. And the second one sort of interestingly is a point of difference. We, we went a bit further afield and we each chose some people. So Kev was involved at that point with, um, the kind of curating of it for want of a better word. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, we, we were asking sort of people that we didn't really know. Um, and luckily we had the same sort of response. You know, really positive, and people did a lot of really, really great stuff, and they really got behind the, the project, and it was just—it was all a bit sort of blind faith, really. But it, but it came together really nicely.
2: What was nice? Hi, I'm Kevin Cormack, <laughs> uh, What was nice? Um, the brief was loose enough that people—they didn't just make cassette artwork. They, um, they made quite large scale pieces of art and um, strange inventions and, and it was all, it was, it was very loose and uh, we had a great space in Cecil Sharp House in Camden, um, Though was more just like, it was almost like a classroom or something It had a very kind of um, old feel to it and, um, and uh, yeah, just uh, it, was, it was very just whatever people wanted, it was a half an hour tape wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and and they could do like a, a two second song if they wanted. Or, yeah, they didn't have to
1: necessarily fill the tape. So, <laughs> you know, you'd have to constantly because we we presented the tapes uh, on Walkman old old stereo Walkmans with the headphones and stuff like that. Listening so, posts. So yeah, it was all very much. Each uh, participant had a, a listening post, so you <laughs> you could go and sit down and you can listen to their two second song or a full (laughs) side you know so there was was frantic sort of rewinding and fast forwarding and (laughs) puzzled looks and stuff like that but yes Kev's right I mean it it, um people really responded to the the visual side of it I mean we did have a we did have a few uh, traditional cassette covers but yeah there were there were photographs and Sculptures, you know, yeah, yeah. weird sort of autom- automatons, and
2: also it drew together. There was the other creator, Benji, as well. Yes, on the um, I mean, the second Benji Fox on the second um, 2009 Spillage Fate. and um, I also drew together our geographical backgrounds. Um, I'm from Orkney in Scotland, and I spent a bit of time in Glasgow, so there was that sort of Scottish connection with inviting bands and artists that I knew, and, and then these guys all studied in Norwich, and East Anglia, is that East Anglia? <laughs> it is East Anglia, it is in England, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I drew together their background and, and places we'd studied, and, and, and so it was a nice kind of uh, sort of national uh, reach to uh, you know, I thought. Well, <clears> I as well,
3: didn't we? The- yes, Listen. for each of you. yeah. Oh sorry Matt. Yeah, I'm sorry, my name's Matt Fowler. Um yeah, we had uh, for each exhibition we had gigs as well. So whoever could play, we on the exhibition from two thousand and six, we curated um an all day gig as well at the Cecil Sharp House. Um it was different contributors all played throughout the day. Um oh, yeah, that was nice. quite a thing.
4: Yeah.
0: Is this something that uh... I mean, you have you gathered this stuff together in terms of, like, a is there a release, or is this stuff archived anywhere where people can check out the music that was created for these events?
1: <laughs> well, it's it funny is. you should ask this, David. We have a cassette tape here that um, was very kind of, very beautifully sticks together by Kevin and Benji, and it, it contains, you know, one or two tracks from every single person that, that contributed and played in the show so that's really the only kind of
2: document, document yeah.
1: of it mm. um, okay. aside aside from the you know uh,
2: we sold that um, through the website and yeah, yeah. and it was like through publications we did two separate publications as well booklets with the artwork and sold the cassettes alongside with with badges and 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 some other. Um, bits and pieces, yeah, and uh, and again we sold them at gigs, and and it was all pretty, pretty low key.
0: I believe I read somewhere uh, in reference to these exhibitions, and I, I, maybe it was regarding jam money, but they were really uh, kind of a the celebration of of home recording and sort of the hobbyist nature of all of, of that kind of approach to making music. And, and you mentioned that you were doing stuff with cassettes uh, while you were curating these events. But I'm wondering, you know, was that kind of your uh, entry point into making music, kind of exploring and, and recording things on four track? Uh, or were you involved in other, I mean, bigger band projects before for, before doing that?
1: <laughs> yeah, we're all sort of yeah. nodding and shaking our heads at the same time as you, <laughs> you went through that um, I mean I, I, I'll start um, I, I was, even when I was living at home um, and still at school I was actually sort of tinkering about with recording um, loops from the record player and the radio and that kind of stuff so it was always, I mean that in those days, in the olden days that was kind of the only way to record that stuff so there were always tapes around and I guess it was, I didn't have a four track then, but it would have been two track recording off onto another tape. And so you'd have quite a few little systems on the go, but that wasn't really music. It was just much more yeah, field recordings and bits and bobs, nothing like that. But that was, that was my entry point into recording. And it was only really later that I got to use a four track and stuff.
2: Yeah, for me, um, I, I've always recorded on four track since I was a teenager as well. I remember borrowing an old friend's Tascam, and um, yeah, I was hooked as well. I just, uh, I just loved it, and and it's finding out about bouncing and and being able to you know overdub loads of stuff onto four track, and um, we're none of us are very digitally minded, and it's <laughs> no. it's not it's not it's not a sort of uh, conscious sort of cool thing to do or anything, it's just the fact that that's how we've all grown up, yeah, using that's... using four tracks and using tape, yeah. and it's just a really tactile, physical way to make music, and you don't have to stare at a screen, you know, and um, yeah. and um, also it's just that kind of growing up process where you don't have to play anyone anything, and it's just a very yeah, friends-based yeah. friends yeah. activity. <clears throat> And also, for when we started to make music together, it was a lot to do with like tape swapping and and uh, yeah, sending yeah. sending tapes to each other. So it just keeps that physical kind of uh, way about it. But it's not like we're flying a big flag or anything about it. It's just how it's just how we've all come. Big tape it. flag, yeah, <laughs> yeah, big tape flag. But um, we, I guess, we have sort of like. Yeah, I hate the word bonded, but uh, we we all we all have that in common. We yeah, all have yeah, yeah,
1: we do. I, that's that's absolutely right. We all have a tape background. Yeah, yeah, um, and
2: we've yeah. never. That's from our from our teenage years, rather than adopting it later on. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. It's,
1: al- it's always it's always been there, and it's kind of it's almost the better the devil you know with that stuff. You know, you kind of know exactly where you are with four tracks and tapes.
0: Well, you mentioned the with those exhibitions that you did that you know artwork was a big part of it, and some of those folks you know went on to do some pretty grand uh, you know works visually. And I I always think of with the label that uh, there is this kind of interaction between visual art uh, and, and the music is kind of at the core of what you do with uh, Spillage Fate. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, do you see it? M- less as a, a label in a traditional sense and more as this kind of ongoing a multimedia arts collective type thing that you're doing um w- with spillage fate
1: yeah i mean I, you you sort of describing it like that is it's exactly right i mean i think it the the records are themselves mini mini exhibitions i suppose or taking a, a, an aspect from the exhibitions and You know the the connection between art and music is just so obvious and and rich for us. You know it's it's
3: it's a and and the interest with the blank tape spillage fate. The main focus, as well as uh, musicians making music for the tapes, was our interest in artists that also make music. Yeah, yeah. Which was a a real point, and that's that's kind of where it (coughs) it came from because a lot of ourselves. We didn't start off really as musicians. We started off going to art school, making visual work. Yeah. And sort of, like you said, a hobbyist, we was making music in the evenings or just figuring that out. Um, so I think that's a big, big sort of focus on where Spillage Fate came from.
2: Because uh, you, you, um, it's interesting, a lot of visual artists, you ask, they're always kind of into m- making music as well, so many of them. Are and vice
1: versa so, you know but I mean they're, they're, the records themselves so the Jam Money and the Bonds you know there's as well as the music there's quite a big behind the scenes <laughs> artistic cool. effort um, I mean Mark, you, you know Amy's work for the Jam Money is a good example
3: yeah yeah my partner Amy she her work and her processes really informed the beginnings of uh, Jam Money and um, in many ways which then led on to you
1: know the collaboration with kevin um yeah i mean it's it's an an important part of what of what we do
0: well you mentioned jam money i mean that the the release a gathering kind from a few years ago is really kind of my first exposure uh to the work that you guys were doing or at least i guess matt matt and kevin at least um uh, but but given your history of working together uh which dates back quite a while when did this particular project kind of take shape, where were the origins of Jam Money? Um,
3: Jam Money started I think around 2012 to 13 and they they started as a small um, collection of recordings that I'd made um, in many ways really inspired by Amy's work, Um, less about long song structures and more about capturing small uh, moments or happenings through through mark-making, um, living with Amy and sort of chatting to her so much that the, the, the two really informed each other, like uh, my music-making and, and her painting. Um, so, yeah, a body of work was recorded onto tape. And then I think initially, um, from what Kev remembers, um, I, I re-recorded them onto Kev's four-track um, for him, just to <laughs> to work in a small way on them, but in just, a, just yeah. to add more hiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But but a really lovely a lovely and sort of natural thing happened where it started a whole collaboration, and the, the record is very much um, music by the two of us.
2: But that was Blowing Stones, wasn't Blowing it? Stones? Yeah. Um, so Blowing Stones was before Gathering Kind.
3: Um,
2: so that was the, the first record. That was the sort of 2013 when we started to swap music. And initially I was just sort of trying to help Matt with with, with kind of <laughs> mixing and, and production. But then ended up, yeah, we just sort of started uh, getting more and more of a collaborative thing going on.
0: Well, I'm going to play a track from that Jam Money release called... Uh, bubbled out from the release, A Gathering Kind, then we'll come back and uh, talk a little bit more about the work that you're doing, I guess, kind of beyond Jam Money into this new project, Bonds. So here is Jam Money. So a, a common feature between the work that you guys do as Jam Money and I guess now as Bonds, is this focus on these really miniaturistic or truncated versions of what I consider to be kind of sophisticated folk and pop songs? And I was just wondering, is there a certain shared philosophy or a shared desire between you all to kind of boil songs down uh, to what could be described as their essential parts or just remove the excess Is that something that you kind of both appreciate in music or that you all appreciate?
1: Who wants to start? This is a good, this is a good bit. We can get our teeth into this one, David. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Definitely. A A resounding
2: yes. For, I think for me personally, um, yeah, I love, I love this sort of discipline of, of trying to make it as, as short as possible, really. and, To to make your point, I think one minute forty five is the perfect time for a (laughs) for a song. Yeah, anything over that, (laughs) anything over that is like Genesis or something. Yeah, I think it's enough time, and that to make um, you know something spontaneous happen, and for it to be to have a couple of happy accidents. And for it to be quite spontaneous within that sort of couple of minute time frame. And to have enough to go on to 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 have sort of a twist in the tail or a turnaround or something like that. Um it's just condensed, as you say. It's it's some of my favourite music's like that, like Moondog, or or the first two wire albums, uh, and things like that. So um and personally I was like I've never owned a loop pedal, so I've never been. I've never been. Blocks of music have always had to be sort of physically played and paid attention to. And when you do that, when you physically repeat, I only have so much concentration and interest, you know. So after about five or six bars, something has <laughs> something it. has to change. Yeah, yeah. And and I'll, although I listen to you know longer music, obviously. Uh, of other people's music but i was
1: going to say exactly the same thing so i can i can listen to you know 16 minutes of you know one thing over and over and over i love repetitious music (laughs) but when it comes to approaching or creating music i get really fidgety and quite bored quite quickly so it's good just to as kev said just keep it moving and a lot of certainly for the bonds it, it feels quite Asymmetrical, so you're never really hearing the same thing, you know, more than yeah. once or twice at the most, you know, before yeah. it moves on. And I just think it just makes for a much more rewarding listening experience. And also, it makes it sort of it gets you gets you thinking. It sets off little stories in your in your mm. mind, or you know, creates a real narrative. Yeah, but it, it's sort of quite a fractured one.
0: Well, uh, aside from, I guess, the obvious additional member uh, in terms of the Jam Money and Bonds, I mean, is there are there other factors or kind of guiding principles that you feel distinguish these two projects from one another?
3: Yeah, we, we were trying to sort of... Uh, <laughs> there, there's definitely um, points of difference between them, but I think with Bonds, it was definitely more uh, as a feeling of a document of a place and time, whereas Jam Money feels more... Abstracted, and sort of out out of a particular time, I think.
2: And and Bonds um, started off as the two mats years ago. So it was yeah, always yeah, yeah. it was always yeah. one of the first projects.
1: For well, it the, was the the original it project. It was the original. So Nate. Matt, yeah, when me and Matt started recording together, that was Bonds, mm. and it just it kind of transmogrified into all these other. Things, but it's always been it's always been the the kind of core, I suppose, and more voice as well in it. Yeah, there was a little, yeah yeah. So but yeah, we've we've distilled the voices down for this one. But um, going back to the the difference, yeah, Matt and I were were trying to pin it down, and I think I think for me, certainly, the 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 jam money stuff feels very very mystical, and the bonds feels a bit more visceral. I mean they're they're definitely they're definitely related. But I think Pat's bonds is a bit more of a wayward cousin. He might get into fights or get too too too, too, too drunk at a Wedding. It's or really true. yeah, true. Jam money feels
3: more peaceful in, in some ways, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. When I looked at, I mean, I kind of thought of the uh, like a gathering kind had almost more of a, a pastoral feel to it, whereas blowing stones, uh, I guess, kind of this brighter, spacious tonal quality i guess that almost has to me i almost associated with more of a a seasonal feel or a naturalistic kind of setting uh and you you talked about space or a particular place i mean is that definitely a consideration
3: yeah i think um subconsciously there's there's definite differences between a gathering kind and the the blowing stones record i think a gathering kind was more um in some ways located to the sort of to the earth, uh more internal geological and blowing stones had a much uh lighter feel to it, um, sort of making making light of things that are heavy. So there there's there's definitely a real point of difference between those two two records.
0: Well based on our correspondence, I guess, prior to doing this show, you know, really there's it sounds like there's quite a bit of other Spillage Fate-related material uh, that you've done that hasn't necessarily been issued in LP editions, uh, like the more recent titles. And I'm wondering, have you put out other smaller releases on physical formats, formats that uh, that may not necessarily show up like in the official catalog or on, on a Discogs list or something like that?
2: Yeah, we uh, we've released over last few years. There's a couple of events and publications that have included like cassettes or or CDs CDRs with them. There was a couple of things. There was a Sound Fjord um, event in South London. Oh I've forgotten about that. And we did a couple of cassette releases. Oh right, yeah, 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 uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then a friend of ours, Benji, who who curated the um the second spillage fate with us, um, he did a publication called 101 Things to Do with the Dead Artists. That's the and one. <laughs> he included, again, it was artwork and music together um, uh, in homage to a certain chosen artist. Yeah. And, and so I guess they're all just quite small-scale, quite community-based projects, but, um, yeah, it's kind of still getting them out there to a little bit of a, an audience, I suppose.
1: Yeah, so they they're, they're not they're not technically releases but they're 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 opportunities that were given to us to to put things to tape, you know, to document things properly. Yeah. Um but no, yeah, no official releases as such.
0: I'm going to play some of the, the the tracks here in this next set that you sent over with some I guess unreleased bonds material here. I thought I, I have to include the track, A Face for Radio. I wasn't sure if that was directed spe- <laughs> specifically might... <laughs> to me or us. or what. The... I, I put that one in there. <laughs> but um, I guess some of these are related projects or solo things of yours, but there was one that I'm going to probably wrap up the, the set with. is from Bontac, I believe is how you pronounce it. And is that also kind of your guys' work together, or is this a different group of artists?
1: So that's, uh, that's me and Max. And Bontact, okay. you know, as we, we were sort of saying where um, it all sort of started with Bonds. So it was it was terrifying and exciting in equal measure because the Bontact was basically the Bonds songs or bits of songs um, taken into a studio with our, our friend Nick Taylor, who's a drummer, and it was just... It, it was a terrifying experiment.
2: Trumpet as well, wasn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: Trumpet. I mean, it was just—it was—it's was like God, you know. Look what happens to the songs, you know, when other people start interpreting them and and playing along with them, and so it was—it sort of spiraled quickly out of control. That so we would we were then practicing these songs weekly. Made originally in uh, a, a coal coal bunker well, it was basement. Down in
3: your cellar, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So they were very small songs, just the two of us, and then we had to, <laughs> because we were going to play them live at the first blank tape, Spillage Fate, that's why
1: we put together, a, in a sense, a, a small band. A band, yeah, to play them. Because we didn't know, we didn't, we didn't just want to sort of play these tiny little songs on a tape recorder, you know, we thought, right, we're going to have to try and do this live. How do we do that live? Well, we, obviously, you get a guitarist and a ba- bassist and a drummer. Yeah. I mean we were we were quite young then back then but um it was it was good fun actually and, and in it's, the only
3: time we toyed with that the yeah, idea yeah, of a, a band uh, a sort of sound or, or
1: yeah song, so. yeah i mean it was it was it was it was a good time
0: well i, I mean i was looking at it the, this track that you sent was cracking in at the two minute 43 mark which pretty much is like (laughs) i was thinking that's like your prog (laughs) rock it's like your prog rock phase or something Exactly. so (laughs) but uh well yeah let's let's play some tracks here starting off with uh, this one from bonds it's called morse code which is uh i guess this one is actually is this the outtake one i have to double check uh the notes that you provided morse code uh, is actually the early stuff
1: yeah, this is this Very is the really really the OG bonds as we like to call it.
0: <laughs> All right, so here it is bonds. <laughs>
5: There's a lot of it in here, sloshing about.
0: through uh, the tracks that you had sent over it it also appears like you guys are all actively recording on your own and I'm I'm wondering if do do you think of these projects or these solo projects as sort of independent or or standalone or does a lot of the ideas and material you work on filter back into the the group projects like jam money and, and bonds (laughs)
3: yeah there's a huge crossover between between uh all of those projects so they're definitely connected and you can probably hear it too but we're all recording our own music as well um constantly at home so some of it might suit certain projects uh, more than others
2: yeah i mean the um some of what matt fowler does on the um Four track ends up in Bond's songs. Some of it ends up in Jam Money songs. <laughs> and now some of it's going to be released as his own. Um, a happy return. A happy return album, yeah. and uh, and likewise, some things. it's Yeah, we, we just uh, sometimes it all goes in the same pot. Sometimes it ends up as a standalone project. Um, yeah, uh, but it all it feels like it's a very shared thing still. Yeah, and, absolutely. And and whenever we do solo stuff, we always kind of take advice and play. The first people we play to is ourselves. And, and, uh, and you know, if, if the two mats don't like what I play them, then I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm on the wrong path.
0: <laughs> well, in addition to the older tracks that you sent along, you, you also provided some music by artists that... I guess you all admire or were influenced by And one of the artists that you indicated that you all quite a- appreciate is Flaming Tunes, uh, which is the project of Gareth Williams of of this heat and, and Mary Curry. And, and I can certainly hear some of the parallels between their work uh, and what you guys are doing. So I was just curious, you know, what is it that you found or find or found uh, appealing about Flaming Tunes? And, I guess some of this seems to me like linking back to the whole home recording aspect of of what you do too.
1: Well, I I I I'd be the first to admit I came very late to the uh, the flaming tunes and this heat party. I think I think Kev put some on a tape for me, and I was like, "Wow, what is this?" And you know, the the flaming tunes album is one of those albums that you just go, "Whoa!" You know, it was a real sort of epiphanous. Moment, but I mean, I can't, I can't really sort of speak, speak about it that much because these two were all over it very early on. Early adopters.
2: I, I was just really into the, this heat, Deceit record. It's just one of my favourite records. And somebody mentioned, I think it, I can't remember, somebody mentioned to me that a couple of the members had done solo pro- projects on four tracks or eight tracks and so I was like, wow, I've got to hunt that yeah. down. And I remember finding um, A to B, I think it was, uh, off the Flaming Tunes one on YouTube or whatever, and just loved it. And then got the initial CD release. Um, and, um, and yeah, then burnt it off for
3: these guys. Yeah. And, um,
2: yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Um, and, uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, it just feels such a, a generous uh, sort of uh, warm collection of recordings and really human that I, I think it sort of really touches touches people. And also it's really explorative and inspiring. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're all really big fans of, of that record.
0: One of my personal favorites and also being I'm huge into this heat also. So, But the, the track that you sent over is one I have actually I hadn't heard before. Uh, and this was kind of a standalone it's called Nothing On which was just, a was it like a self-released single type thing? I can't even remember what it, what it's from.
2: It was from... Um, I
3: don't think it's ever been released. I don't oh. think it's
2: ever been released. It was on YouTube, um, a video that he made with this guy. Um, and he was doing these... It was after the Flaming Tunes record, and... I think he was planning to release some some of it but uh, they ended up not finishing the video or it's like a, it's like a sort of demo track or whatever but they've released it um after he died and um and the video is really moving. Yeah, yes. the video is amazing. it's,
1: it's an yeah, really... amazing video. Well,
0: yeah, I'm going to play that track first but I thought I'd at least ask you, you there's a couple of tracks that each of you sent along too, and, and maybe I'll have you just speak towards them briefly here. Um, I think, Matt, you had chosen a couple of tracks, one from Devon Locke and then one from Ran, which is actually Marcus from The Knot Twist. Is not is that correct?
3: Yeah, that's it. Marcus, um, we met Marcus um, because he heard Blowing Stones and uh, offered to release something by Jam Money. And Alien Transistor ended up um, releasing A Gathering Kind. So that's how we got to know Marcus. But um, other Matt was already a huge fan of a lot of the Alien Transistor releases, some of which I hadn't heard of, because Matt collects collects a lot of 7-inches. And, uh, yeah, the Rayon music's really great. Um, There's um, a couple of LPs and a 10-inch, and I think the track that we've given you is off a 10-inch.
2: It's a soundtrack, isn't
3: it?
4: Yeah, I think it was a
3: soundtrack for for a film. Oh, wow. And the Devon Locke is... He's a friend of ours, Richard Greenan, that also runs a small label um, called Kit Records. And he also has a show on um, here in the UK. There's a, a radio station called NTS. And he has a show that he hosts, uh, like a Kit Records radio show on NTS. But amongst all of this, he, he fits in time to make his own great music too. So that's uh, Devon Locke.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious about the one track that kind of stood out to me and, and I believe maybe Kev, these were your tracks, um, was this track by, is it rude Pravo. Um, mm. really, really nice sounding, uh, track called the dust is fly. And, and is this a Luke, Luke Fowler project?
2: It is. Yeah. I think it's called the dust is flying. Uh, but it comes up on iTunes as the dust is flying. Yeah, for no, something nice. Um, yeah, I've, Uh, I've known Luke for a few years and he was involved with um, the second Blank Tape spillage fate Um, so I asked him to contribute to that and he he put together a Rude Pravo tape um, with a friend of his, Stevie and a singer, I can't remember her name but yeah, they released a few singles, I don't know if they released an album but um, yeah, this is one of the singles, uh, Luke Fowler um and one of his projects uh, yeah great
0: yeah yeah and the other one is for is it Ferranti and t-shirt <laughs> I'm not even sure how to say it
2: Ferranti and Tiger I think Tiger. um and that's actually from I don't know if you know Chris Cutler the drummer um and he oh. does he does a podcast uh, called probes um <laughs> which is all to do with the history of of like 20th century sort of experimental and it's an amazing it goes through barcelona university and it's amazing podcast and and he was talking about prepared instruments and and a lot of prepared instruments and customized sort of you know fooling around with stuff is is um is quite dry or or can be a little bit academic or whatever and and I love the, the kind of hybrid of easy listening and pre- <laughs> prepared prepared instruments at the same time. Because I, like, I also I think it's part of, uh, you know, sometimes Spillage Fate, that kind of easy listening thing is nice to experiment with. Um, yeah, um, so, yeah, I just found that a really unusual track.
0: Right. Well, I think I, I looked up the, the artists, and is it just kind of like some loungy group that produced a bunch of stuff over the years? Is that... <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think they did soundtracks as well, and uh, yeah, it was just a couple of guys, and just incredible sounds. Some of it sounds electronic, but it's all just, uh, you know, putting things into pianos and, and...
1: Uh, it's uh, funny, because I've never heard that out. track before, but um, I've got quite a few records that definitely have sampled that in some way. Really? So, yeah, wow. it, was, it was really nice. I recognise that. No, <laughs> <laughs> never heard that before. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and then the last two tracks, uh, Matt, these were yours, and uh, I'm going to play one from Supreme Vagabond Craftsman, which is a heck of a an alias to record under. Um, <laughs> I, I've not heard uh, of this artist's work at all.
1: Wow, yeah, It 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 it's definitely worth digging around. Um, funnily enough, the people that I chose were people that I, I wish I had the guts to ask to do the Spillage Fate. I think they would have been perfect, but... They're, they're really, it's really old, old stuff, you know, it's, 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 but I'm always inspired by people who sort of plough their own furrow and, and these records, like these artists, I do go back to all the time if I need a bit of a kickstart. Mm-hmm. So they just, it's very sort of timeless, you know, timeless stuff. But, um, yes, Supreme Ragamon Craftsman, he, he's, does all this stuff on his own but he's part he's he's part of other groups and stuff on Invisible Spies I think the label was called.
0: I'll close it off with the other one that you picked out was Max Tundra who I guess is someone I I am familiar with of this lot of music.
1: Yeah I mean he's he's another one that you know constantly reinvents is incredibly inventive. Um, I think you know, just just talking about four tracks and stuff like that. I think I read somewhere that he he still uses his Amiga computer to compose with because he simply can't be bothered to learn how to do anything else. And I kind of <laughs> I kind of feel that's relate that chimes that. really well. Yeah, we could really relate to that.
0: Right. Well, I'm going to jump into that that Flaming Tunes track again called Nothing On, and then we'll come back for one little last little chat session here. So here's uh, Flaming Tunes. I um.
6: Entendre l'au-delà, dessous la terre j'entends des voix, la poussière vole et griffe à mes bras.
0: So, Matt and Kev, you guys took part in a recording project called Spirit Fest uh, with the members of the Tennis Coats and, I guess, Marcus again from The Knot Twist. And um, and I don't know how to say the other thing. Is it Joashino?
3: It's Joshino.
0: Joshino, thank you. Joshino. <laughs> so, yeah, a, a new collaborative project. And, and the record has just come out and on more music and i guess this this seems like a a project that really connects well with the overall spirit of of spillage fate being very collaborative kind of creative whimsical inviting all these other adjectives or descriptors that i could throw out there but uh what what were these recording sessions like for for this release
2: Uh, just to say first david (laughs) i i wasn't involved in spirit I did do a little bit of um, additional production on one of the B sides, but I wasn't actually. Um, yeah, I think that uh, might be my
1: fault, David. I think I might have misled you with my on the crib sheet. It was oh, just it was just it was just that particular dongury track. It was a
2: particular used. song I sort of helped mix. Okay. But um, yeah, it's Matt's Matt's
3: baby. Yeah, it was um, it was all recorded last year. Around around this time last year, into December and um, all recorded in Munich. Saya and Bueno travelled from Japan to there and uh, Marcus and Kiko Yoshino both live in Munich and it was recorded in a, a tiny um, uh, studio apartment <clears throat> and it was a really open um, and tentative sort of recording uh, process but still um, quite nerve wracking as well because um, I only really record at home, um, so it was yeah it felt and i already I was a you know a real fan of the tennis coats, um, but it was really gentle, and uh, everyone was so respectful of each other's sort of contributions um, and yeah the you know people would come in with ideas and we 'd each slowly have to find our way in um, in our own way, so yeah it was a, it was a really um, it's a really fun sort of recording process, and I think yeah that so it's recorded about this time last year and comes out this month. My I think it's out already.
0: Yeah, and and, and you had mentioned in some of our correspondence that there's going to be uh, some some tour plans here coming up very soon uh, with the, this whole project uh, throughout Europe, right?
3: Yeah, that's it. It starts in um, the first of December. It starts in Geneva, and then goes through. Uh, a lot of Europe: Lyon, um, Leeds, London, Berlin. The London gig is on the seventh of December. So, um, so I leave in about two weeks to play gigs in Europe and then come back to London um, on the seventh, uh, which my partner is very happy about because we, <laughs> we only had we had a little girl, Agnes, um, about ten months ago. So, um, so yeah, it'll be great to see her in between the the, uh, the touring. Actually, it's, um, it finishes a festival that Alien Transistor put on, um, sort of, uh, they put it on last year um, called Alien Disco and it's on the 15th and 16th of December and it's, it's a bit like um, sort of how the ATP festivals used to be, a weekend festival but of really interesting and um, curated music, really unusual um, and that's in Munich. And it's a really great festival. Jam Money played there um, last year. We had a really great time.
0: Cool, yeah. Well, uh, just to maybe wrap things up here, I mean, are there any further plans for Spillage Fate here in the months ahead? I mean, in terms of other maybe releases or even your own (laughs) live music outings that you have coming up? Anything that you can mention? (laughs)
1: Oh, this me. Do you want me to do it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, I guess... We sent a couple of tracks to you. Kevin is working on a speed booth project, a project called Speed Booth. Um, Do you want to say anything about that?
2: Yeah, it's pretty much finished and hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) That's news to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's mostly just myself, but a couple other people involved. And
3: uh, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, so that's hopefully a new spillage release. And Matt, what about your yeah a happy return
3: so that's a collection of uh home recordings that I've made that also uh involve Amy too recordings of Amy and it's it's very much like a small document of um recordings made up to and just after the the sort of birth of our our daughter um so yeah quite a sort of personal collection of recordings so that's almost sort of put together Now, so again, like Speed Booth, that should should happen uh, early next year.
1: Yeah, but they're they're both they're both very different, different altogether.
0: And I'm going to play a track from each of those here in in this last block of music. And it sounds like it's good that we got together to chat so that you guys could get an update on where everything stands with the label. (laughs) 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 Between all of you, oh, oh, so that's what's happening. Okay, all right, it's (laughs) finished. Well guys I, I really appreciate your time and and your help and contributions and sending stuff over it's been a lot of fun.
3: Thank you David. Thanks David. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah and I'm going to finish off this last block here it's going to start with that Spirit Fest and this is a, a B-side of, of a new single and I'm just wondering um was this already released prior to uh the record or
3: Yeah this one was slightly different because the rest of the the album was, that was all well. The whole album was was made in Munich, and uh, a, a song off the album was chosen for the A side of this seven inch, and uh, Marcus wanted to use a different track that wasn't on the album for a B side, so that happened um, sort of four months ago. Marcus sent uh, a track to myself and uh, Kiko Yoshino and Saya and Weno. And we all recorded it uh, separately, sort of at home. So that was more to the way of working with Jam Money. So we, I, I transferred Marcus's uh, piece of music onto my four track and recorded it that way and then sent it back. So it's a slightly different process to the, uh, the rest of the album.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, you'll get to hear it here. This is a track called Dunguri, Dang, I believe, from Spirit Fest. And, and, and again, guys, uh, thanks so much for your time. going to bring this episode to an end. I'd like to thank the two Matts and Kevin from Spillage Fate again for carving out the time in their schedules to chat with me for this show and for providing so many great extra tracks to play. You can find Spillage Fate on Bandcamp, Facebook, and Twitter if you'd like to stay on top of their various activities. Or if you'd like to check out the complete playlist for this show, you can go to our website at freeformfreakout.com. There are links that you can follow that will bring you to each of the available releases that we played. Or if you have any questions or comments, you can always get in touch with me at fffreakout at hotmail.com. Otherwise, check back in a couple of weeks for a new episode. And as always, thanks so much for listening.